Hey, what's up, guys? Happy Monday. Hope that you had a great weekend. Uh, real quick video. I just, you know, I wanted to address something. I, I had an idea of how I could address an issue that I'm seeing being brought up more and more and maybe give an example of how boxing can maybe beat this issue uh, because other industries have found a way to thrive, even though they're dealing with the same issue and have been for much longer than boxing has. So piracy in boxing. Um, there are There's an increasing number of people out there, pundits, if you will, um, I, I would consider them members of the cult, that um, are blaming really boxing fans for the issues in boxing right now and, and saying that piracy is the biggest issue in the sport. I vehemently disagree with this, and I've stated my opinions why, and because of it, you know, I'm getting attacked in some corners big surprise there. Um, and some people are saying, you know, that I don't know what I'm talking about, et cetera, et cetera. Well, actually I do know what I'm talking about. Uh, is piracy an issue in boxing? Yes. And by the way, this all relates of course, to the demise of Showtime boxing. And that's why I bring the cult into it because they are going to do everything they can to protect that platform and uh, stick up for them. And again, Blaming the fans for Showtime Boxing's demise is insane to me, but because it is being done and I'm seeing more and more people talk about this, I felt the need to uh, to address this real quick. Anyway, um, piracy is an issue in boxing, of course. Uh, there is an increasing uh, number of fans who are not subscribing to the various platforms that are broadcasting boxing now. Uh, Showtime was one of them, and that's ultimately part of why it failed. Uh, but uh, of course, the pay-per-views as well, right? Because there's more and more pay-per-views and fans are saying, well, I'm not going to pay for this. Okay. Um, here, here's something that I think some of you who are just stuck in this thing of piracy is what's killing us and, and the fans are not supporting the sport. First of all, boxing fans, diehard boxing fans are the only reason this sport is still around. They're the only reason professional boxing is even around in the United States anymore, other than an occasional celebrity boxing match here or there uh, in the 20th century. Like, literally, diehard boxing fans have carried this sport, okay? So so for anyone to blame the fans for the issues in boxing right now is just insane. That, that's just insane to me. But piracy is an issue. Okay, but it is it is an issue that is not exclusive or limited to boxing. It is in every segment of the entertainment industry, sports, uh, TV, film, everything. Okay, including music. Now, I want to use this music example because I think it's very, very relevant. It's not an apples to apples comparison. I want to put that out there right now. Of course, there's nuance, there are differences, but I think you guys will see where I'm going with this, okay? So for some of you younger guys, you can't imagine a world where you would go to an actual store and buy music, but that's what we had to do back in the day, okay? Um, and back in the 80s and in the 90s, music fans, which is pretty much everyone, everyone listens to music, people were getting gouged. They were really getting ripped off, especially in the 90s. The record industry got really, really greedy and just out of touch with reality. And a CD, some of you younger guys are like, what's that? A CD, a compact disc, okay, cost about 50 cents back in the day to print um, and to package and, and just make a whole compact disc album. Cost like 50 cents. And they were charging $15, $16, in some markets even more than that, for an album. 
And, you know, the artist would put one banger on the album and the rest of the tracks were fluff. They were filler material. Some, al some albums were different and they were loaded. But for the most part, you're paying 15, 16 bucks for a track. Okay. That's how it was. And then they would do singles, which was an even bigger ripoff because you'd pay for the banger, right? The one track you wanted. And maybe you had a B side, which was basically just a remix, right? There'd be a Pete Rock Seal Smooth remix on, on the B side of whatever track you're buying. And that was like $8 or whatever it was, or maybe even more than that. It might have been like $10 or $12. So music fans were getting absolutely gouged. And by the late 90s, with the rise of the internet, there was a guy who developed a, a, an app, or maybe it was a site. I don't know technically what you call it, but it was called Napster. Now, again, some of you young guys have no idea what I'm talking about, but most of you will. And suddenly with Napster, the, the, the people had figured out a way to cut out the industry and get right to what they wanted, to get right to the material that they wanted. They were sick of being gouged. People were learning how much it costs to print these albums that they're buying. And they're like, holy hell, we're, think of the markup. If you're charging like $15 for something that costs less than a dollar to make, that's an insane markup. And fans were getting sick of it. They were getting sick of it. So they found a way to start downloading and sharing songs with each other. And Napster blew up. Everybody had Napster, okay? This is like late 90s going into the early 2000s. I didn't know a damn thing about the internet at this point. I was still really ignorant about that kind of stuff. I wasn't very well educated. Even I had Napster. And then there were other apps like LimeWire and some other ones that came around where people were sharing files and they were, it was mostly music, but then they started to be able to share movies and all that stuff. And so this industry that was making record profits in the nineties, the, the record industry was just making billions and billions of dollars off of album sales, records, record. It was tapes and CDs sales versus touring. Touring is where the artist makes the bulk of their money because they control that and they go out and, um, Basically, the more you tour, the more money you make if you're an artist. But the actual music being sold, that was controlled by the, the music industry, and they were making the bulk of that money. Record profits. And then all of a sudden, they're not selling shit because everyone's stealing it. Piracy, right? So piracy hit the music industry, damn, 25 years ago. Seriously way before it started to affect boxing, okay? Before you could stream a pay-per-view broadcast, before there was Facebook Live and you could just show the, the fight that you are you got at your house, you know, on live on Facebook, before any of that was even a possibility, before it was even in anyone's imagination, music industry was dealing with piracy. So the record industry freaks out. They're losing billions of dollars. What's interesting though, is most of the actual musicians didn't care. Because again, it really didn't affect their bottom line that much. They were still getting paid because they get paid from touring. So a lot of them would say, hey man, go ahead and steal my music. I don't give a damn. Just when I when we come to your town and do a show in your town, buy a ticket to our show. Come support the show. Come see us live. Go ahead and steal the damn album. We don't give a shit. The record company keeps 95% of that anyway. That was most musicians' attitude. So the you had this really interesting phenomena where the artists were kind of siding with the people who were stealing their shit. It was the executives that were freaking out. Now, there were a handful of artists that 
were kind of part of the elite, the, the establishment, and they got pissed off. Like Metallica, prime example. I think there was, um, I can't remember the dude's name, but one of the members of Metallica tried to sue to collect some money for all their music that was being stolen and all that kind of stuff. So like the Napster dude ended up getting in trouble, but by then the genie was out of the bottle and there were all these other sites where you could download stuff. The industry had to adjust and they did. I won't get into all the details of how we got here, but now in 2023, you could subscribe on your phone. We all have smartphones, right? We have these smartphones. By the way, check out my little girl. Little girl giving my other little girl a kiss. Ah, that's so cute. Anyway, um, on our smartphones, you can get, I got an Apple, right? It's an Apple phone. I got Apple Music. Me and my wife subscribe to Apple Music every month. Um, here, share my screen real quick. If you want the Apple Music subscription, there are different plans for different rates, depending on where you're at. But if you're a student, you can get it for $6 a month. We get the family plan because then we have unlimited. When we have all of our devices, my wife and I, we can share music with each other. It's really pretty cool. So we pay $16 a month for that. It's worth every fucking penny because here's why. We're not getting 10% of the music out there. We don't have to pay a premium for certain songs. We get access to 100% of Apple Music's library. So whether there's a brand new song I want to download or something from the 1950s, I can get it. I can listen to it as much as I want. If I want to listen to that shit in my sleep while I'm brushing my teeth, it doesn't matter. We have access to everything. I could download as many songs as I want. And there's some other stuff on there, but we use it just for the music, okay? It is worth every penny to us because as much time as I spend in the gym working out, as much time as I spend out in the yard getting my house in order and all that stuff, um, I'm listening to music a lot, okay? And so we have no issue paying for it. We proudly, and I'm not the biggest fan of Apple in a lot of respects, but I have no issue paying them the $16 a month for this subscription. My wife and I have done it for years. That is a way that the music industry figured out how to monetize downloading, okay, and make it affordable and reasonable enough for people like myself, who I was on Napster from day one, okay, and all those sites. I stopped doing all that. I stopped downloading all that stuff because of all the work it takes. And then there's viruses attached to a lot of files, all kinds of stuff. I don't need to anymore. I'll just pay this fee and I get all the music I want. Now, let's take that back to boxing. Let's make a few quick comparisons. Again, this is not apples to apples, but I think you guys will get where I'm going here, okay? Showtime. We're going to use Showtime, Showtime as an example, but we could we could talk ESPN or zone just as easy, okay? But Showtime I want to use as an example because they were the worst offender with putting out the worst product on their base network and gouging fans with pay-per-views, and they failed. They ultimately failed. So. Showtime would charge a monthly subscription fee. As a boxing fan, if you subscribe to Showtime for boxing, you're paying, what, 12, 15 bucks a month, something like that for Showtime. Uh, sometimes there are sales or whatever, but, you know, it's it's over $100 a year. It might be $200 a year, something like that, okay? You would think that you would get access to a, a big library of fights, but nothing could be further from the truth. Over the last few years, 
when Espinoza and Showtime re-upped with PBC for like one last deal, um, part of that deal was they were going to take a lot more fights to pay-per-view. That meant less fights on the regular network. And you guys saw the results. The, 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 the schedule on regular Showtime was awful. In 2023, um, even DAZN, who I've been highly critical of, their regular schedule smokes regular Showtime in 2023. And ESPN's is better than DAZN and Showtime combined. So Showtime was offering very, very little value for the, their subscribers on a monthly basis. Then on top of that, they're charging a premium for the higher level fights. So you're paying a subscription. They're not the only ones who do this. Okay, they're just the worst offender. They did it more than anybody else. And that's why they're dead right now. They would charge a premium for higher level fights. And even worse than all this, most of those higher level fights were fights that fans didn't even ask for. So to go back to my Apple Music comparison, imagine if when I subscribe to Apple, I get access to 10% of their library. Imagine if there's a song that I really, really want to download, I can't find it. Imagine if I have to pay a premium to download certain songs of a certain genre or whatever it is, or a certain years, whatever. I have to pay more. I'm going to get to a point with Apple Music where I say, you know what? To hell with this. I'm going to cancel. It's not worth my money. And I'm just going to stream the music illegally. Who wouldn't? The, the consumers have gotten to a point now, guys, that the people have found ways to cut out the middleman, to cut out the brass, the suits, the executives, and get right to the material that they want to consume. Media has never been as fragmented and segmented and as detail-oriented in terms of who it's marketed to, okay, all the different consumer groups than, than ever before. So people go out and find what they want, whether it be podcasts, sports, uh, TV shows, movies. They go and find the material that they want to watch, and they watch it. They are rejecting the notion, consumers now, more than ever, they're rejecting the notion of the brass, the, the suits, forcing what they want the consumer to watch. They're rejecting that notion, saying, no, 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 you don't know what I want. You don't understand what I want. I'm going to go out and take what I want and view that, listen to it, whatever. And all your crap, I don't care. It's noise. So the, the smart executives out there in the entertainment industry have learned this and they're listening to the consumer, providing the material that the consumer wants, providing access to that material. That's what the music industry was able to do. And is it perfect? No. Are they making the record profits they were making in the 90s? No, but they have found a way to live in this era of privacy. And guys, if you think piracy in combat sports, particularly boxing, is bad, it is. It, it doesn't even compare to the amount of piracy that the music industry was dealing with in the late 90s, early 2000s. It is a drop in the bucket in comparison. And yet, the music industry was able to find a way to adapt and survive and thrive. It's thriving right now in the current era of privacy, of cord cutting. How can boxing do that? Well, for starters, if I'm subscribing to an app, give me access to more than just one fight a month. 
Give me access to your entire fight library. That's what Top Rank does on ESPN Plus, by the way. Smart move. But put on consistent material. I want to know I'm, that every month I'm getting material that's worthy of my subscription fee. Don't charge me extra for premium content. There should be some premium content included in my subscription fee. Now, over at Showtime, Steven Espinoza really, really tried to tell you you were getting premium content, that you were getting an $80 steak when he was really selling you a $10 cheeseburger most of the time. Fans are getting smarter. Consumers are getting smarter. There's this thing called the internet. There's this thing called social media. Fans, consumers, I should say, talk to each other now. And there are forums and there are ways for consumers to get educated on what they're buying and if they're getting ripped off or not. You can't screw over consumers for too long in this new world. You're going to get exposed and you're ultimately going to fail. You have to provide quality content that people want. If you do that, they will spend their money with you. Okay. I'm a living example of that. The, the boxing industry has to learn how to adapt to this era and provide content that fans want to pay for because they find value. Diehard boxing fans have proven, especially in the last 10 years, they love this crazy sport and they are willing to defend it and support it. But guys, everyone has their, their limits. Everyone has their breaking point. And it is up to the people in, it's not up to the fans to financially carry these people in suits that are worth millions of dollars and don't give a shit about the fans. In the case of Steven Espinoza, he hates most boxing fans, hates them because of their worldview and, and, and things like that. Um, these elitists in suits, the consumers don't give a shit about propping those guys up. They want to take care of themselves and each other. So it is up to the executives in the boxing industry to provide content that the fans want, and they'll pay for it. They'll support it. They've proven this time and time again. It's that simple. So use the music industry example. Boxing can not only survive in this era, it can thrive if it figures out a way to monetize on these streaming platforms and get fans excited enough to financially support once the industry if the industry figures out how to do that it'll be good to go but until it does it's going to struggle it's going to lag on and uh, that's where we're at guys so curious what you think of this comparison let me know we'll uh, we'll talk again soon guys see you at the fights